Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and cool, step right up. Behind this curtain lies a ghastly concoction of delight, horror, fantasy, and terror. Your every wish is our command. Your every whimsical desire brought to life. But I'm warning you, there's always a price. Welcome to the greatest Welcome to The Greatest Show on Earth. It's Wednesday. It's 9 p.m. Do you know where your children are? I do, because they're listening to our fucking podcast. Welcome back to Talking Terror. I'm your old pal, King Horror Andy G, welcoming you to this Mad Monkey Selection episode, where he decided to pick 1992's Dead Alive, directed by Peter. There can only be one ring to rule them all, Jackson. So we're going to be talking about that much later on in the show. Uh, but as always, I'm joined by the bold, the beautiful, the Gold Geek Keith. Hello. How is all you today? Oh, he's going Kiwi for this episode. All right. That's appropriate. That would be true. I'd be showing you a mute Sumatran rat monkey, but that would be who gets introduced next. That would be who gets introduced next. Because if there's two things, he knows it's tapioca kicking ass. And guess what? He's all out of tapioca. Mad Monkey. <laughs> hey there, Fright fans. This is your lovely little horror host, the Satanic Simeon, the Mad Monkey, broadcasting to you live from the Drunken Monkey Rehabilitation Clinic. Oh, I'm excited about tonight's episode, guys. <laughs> wow. I almost tripped over yourself there. Ah, oh, man. It's easy there. <laughs> It's like he popped. Uh, yes. <laughs> like a bad some of that. <laughs> <laughs> and also, we are joined by the demonic doctor himself. Hello there, Doc. Hello. <clears throat> I'm here. Hello, Excuse me, doctor. I have a little bit of... Hello, monkey. Uh, I have a little bit of a sickness this evening, uh, but You're I took some it? medicine, and <clears throat> my, voice, my voice will be... Yes, uh, I got it. Uh, my voice will be smoothing out as the episode unfolds. So are you down with the sickness, Doc? Yeah, I have the AIDS. He's got the AIDS. Everybody's <laughs> got that. AIDS. AIDS, AIDS, AIDS. <laughs> yeah. That just means he's special and he gets a wish. That means Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is going to come by and sign basketball. <laughs> that would be so cool. See, Doc, if you did have a Make-A-Wish, what would your Make-A-Wish be? John Cena. <clears throat> That's a good question, actually. <clears throat> Can we revisit that later in the show, perhaps? <laughs> sure. I really, I really would like to. I really would like to, to think about that for a little while. Okay. Well, why don't you let that stew a little bit? Uh, you know, what do you have for us on the docket as we kick off this episode? Ah, uh-huh, we're jumping right in. All right. So we talked about this, I believe, a week ago. Flash. Um, anyway uh, we we talked about this a week ago I think think it was last week's episode and I wanted to get back into this because there was a little bit more uh, news about it uh, within this past week and uh, the king I know you and I could argue about this to the ends of the earth uh, about the standing of Candyman uh, in the horror universe Mm -hmm. Um, 
And it was in the news this week that, uh, you know, Tony Todd's feelings are hurt, that uh, he hasn't been given a phone call about it, uh, that he hasn't offered a part in it. And, uh, you know, even though that this is a, you know, it's a spiritual sequel that takes place in the same neighborhood, the uh, the Cabrini Green housing projects, uh, you know, have now been gentrified, but but it, this is, it's still the same place. And that's where the sequel is taking taking place. And, uh, you know, what I was curious about is that, you know, in my opinion, like, uh, the Candyman is not a, in, you know, is not a top rung series. Uh, I don't, I don't view Candyman. I don't view him or the character as an all-time iconic character. And I just, I'm curious. And I know that there's been a lot of stuff with like performers coming back uh, after not playing roles for a long time to to reclaim their place in their series. I guess the the biggest example of that this past year would be Jamie Lee Curtis returning to Halloween to play Laurie Strode. But just because you're bringing back in some way a dormant franchise doesn't necessarily mean that, oh, all of the performers uh, need to come back. I was just curious as to why this was news and is this something that, that even matters. Uh, you know, Gould, you want to go first? Oh, I mean, you know, listen, I, you know, I, I kind of, I'm in the same boat with the Candyman franchise. It was one that I found disappointing when I was younger. Um, so I don't have all this, this love for it. Uh, I do obviously feel like Tony Todd is iconic to the character, but that's because, you know, there's only been two movies and he played it in both of them. Um, you know, but Wasn't there at three? the same time too, what, what, was it three? I didn't even, I don't know. Yeah, there was three. Candyman were there. Okay. Yeah, three. So three movies. I, I know for a fact that I've seen one. I guess two is Farewell to the Flesh. Uh, yeah. I, I think I saw that at some point, but I have no recollection of it. And three, I definitely never saw. Um, I feel like with this amount of time going by and with a character like that, if they're doing, you know, a reimagining or remake of this film, you know, Tony Todd being in the movie is like a small cameo appearance. Like, yeah, sure, that's a wink, wink, nod, nod. Hey, look at that. Um, but I, I don't feel like he needed to be contacted for the role itself. You know, like I wasn't bothered that well, – What's his face wasn't contacted for Leprechaun, you know, you got a new Leprechaun <laughs> now, so Yeah. That's Warwick Davis. Uh, that's who played the uh the Leprechaun. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Monkey, what about the what are your thoughts? Um, Tim, you and I have discussed this, you know, in depth that today, you know, with all the CGI and stuff like that, you know, that you know, Tony Todd could definitely have come back and done the main role. You know, I think he could have done it. I think he could have done it justice, that's for sure. Um, but, you know, on the flip side, it's like, you know, they could have at least given him a cameo. You know, a, a small role, just like the ghoul said, of just to the fans of the original film and just be like, you know, hey, you know, we didn't forget the guy who helped make this franchise. You know, and so we gave him a small part for you original fans. Right. Yeah, I mean, there is still time, you know, for Jordan Peele or Anita DeLong. Uh, who's directing it, to, to say, hey, you know what, we're, we're going to give him a call. We're going to give him a cameo. Um, I don't have the tweet in front of me that he had sent out regarding Candyman. I know I did read it. Um, and it, it's more so him just being kind of upset that they just didn't bother to call him. Not necessarily that they didn't call him for Candyman, but just kind of that they didn't call him at all to be a part of the project. And but what, said, did, what, did what? They, what do they need to call him about? 
Well, I guess he figured, like we had said, a cameo. You know, why don't you just show up for one day, you know, shoot a scene, and then you're out. You know, that kind of now, thing. Now, if I can ask, what point of production is the movie currently at? Pre-production. They're still okay, casting. Okay, so, so they're still casting at this point. So if he's looking to get a cameo appearance, you know, they may not have even thought about calling him yet. And honestly, if I right. was Jordan right. Peele at this point, if, if this became a news thing and this had something to do with Tony Todd creating said news, I'd be like, fuck you, bro. Even if I was going to give you a cameo, I'm not now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, like I said, mm-hmm. there is plenty of time. You know, it's not like they're deep into production. And all of a sudden it's like, oh, fuck. Yeah, we forgot to call Tony. You know, you know they're, they're still in pre-production stages. So, I get why he's upset. I don't blame him for being upset, but at the same time, give it a little bit of time. You know, let them get started before you start bitching about it. You know, just let them do their thing and, and see what happens. Yeah, we'll see, we'll see what happens. You know, either way, I'm excited about it, you know, just to see another Jordan Peele project. Um, you know, because I don't know about you guys, but I'm really looking forward to checking out Us and seeing oh, yeah. how it is. Yes. I know, but it isn't a Jordan Peele directed film, Candyman. It's only produced uh, by Jordan oh, Peele. Oh, so, okay. Yeah, Nia DeLong is a director. He just has kind of a hand in producing, maybe do a little bit of writing, but yeah, other than that, that's his. Uh, that's as far as his involvement with Candyman is going to be. Oh, he's got okay. his own thing going on. Okay. So there is. Who is the director again? I'm sorry. Uh, Nia DeLong, who I don't know. Uh, I know she directed a feature previously, but uh, she's been attached to direct uh, with Jordan Peele producing and having a writing credit. So that's about, like I said, his involvement. So I get why Tony Todd's upset about it. I mean, to think about Tony Todd's career, he's had a long career in films, but Candyman, I think, is his most iconic. So that's why, you know, Sour Grapes, if there were. Because that's his most iconic role, and for him to feel like they're not going to involve me at all, yeah, I'm a little upset about it. But wow. I feel like he just needs to give it some time. Wow. I'm surprised wow. they're not gender swapping this franchise. Like Candy Girl? You know, yeah, well, again, especially getting a female director and everything with it, it just seems like, you know, it seems like it's open for that. Yeah, but don't you don't have to call a Candy Girl. It can still be Candy. <laughs> Candy woman, person, candy man, candy woman, candy lady, candy lady, Miss Candy Day, Candy May, Candy Day. Oh, oh, that sounds like a porn. Probably is. We have to go on xvideos.com. Yeah, but it also seems that the, everybody's doing the gender switch thing, and it's just don't you think it's you know getting a little bit, you know, running to the ground by now? Are we getting gender switch fatigue? Just like they say, we're getting comic book fatigue. Are we though? I don't really think so. I don't really think it's a, a fatigue yet. I mean, just because the Frog Brothers have been swapped out, and you know, Captain Marvel now, but Captain Marvel's been established as a female for a long time. So yes, like well, Miss Marvel was established as a character for a long time. She only became Captain Marvel about ten years ago or so. That's, that's um, yeah. Prior to that, she was she was known <clears throat> as Miss Marvel. Captain right. Marvel yeah. was a guy, was an yeah. alien soldier, yeah. Marvel, and they did actually. Well, I don't want to ruin anything. Cause it just came out this weekend, so I'm not saying. 
saying anything. No. Skip right over that one. <laughs> okay, Tom, I saw them coming back in. All right, what's next? So, I've talked previously on this show about the upcoming Swamp Thing TV series, and the big news that I was reading about this week was that I call my uh, officially, uh, officially, I mean, I believe the audience knows that already, but uh, Adrian Barbeau is returning to the swamp Don't once again swamp, to play the character. You're ru- excuse me, you're ruining my report right now. Uh, Ad- Adrian Adrian Barbeau is returning to the swamp uh, to resume her role as Alice Cable uh, for the upcoming uh, Swamp Thing TV series Character that is possibly Deadpool? going to debut. Uh, <laughs> Alice Cable uh, from Swamp Thing, and uh, this series will be debuting possibly on May 10th on none other than the DC Universe streaming service. <laughs> Which I do not have. <laughs> Yet another streaming service. Well, that one we already knew about, DC. Now, they've already established uh-huh. their streaming service. So it's already out there. Um, but another one going to streaming, which is fine. I won't be watching it because I don't have it. But it's cool to see Adrian Barbeau coming back and reprise that character. I know she's got a great podcast uh, on Shudder right oh, now. Does she? She's a podcast yeah. on Shudder? Yeah, all about uh, females and heart. Uh, I forget what the name is because they just announced it like two weeks ago. But yeah, she's just going to oh, be it's helming it's the it's podcast and interviewing female horror directors and actresses and <clears throat> producers and uh, it's been, you know a cool thing I want to check out. But so but also this, this, uh, in this, the cast, I just wanted to say Ian Ziering joined the cast as well for this show. And the is, he playing, is he playing the titular Swamp Thing? <laughs> No, he is playing the Blue Devil. Mm. Exciting news. Ian Ziering back in the uh, public eye. After Sharknado. Uh, part 7 or 8. Yeah, right you, can't, you can't say back in the public eye. I mean, the guy's put out umpteen thousand Sharknados at this point. That yeah, was sarcasm. <laughs> I was landing on pretty thick. <laughs> He's been gone for about a week. Where's Ian? Where's Ian? Where's <laughs> Ian? Sorry, Doc. What were you getting ready to say? I was asking about the <clears throat> the King was talking about the Adrian Barbo podcast. Uh, I was asking. So this is something that is in uh, production that hasn't uh, that hasn't been released yet. Yeah, it hasn't been released yet. Uh, they just literally announced it maybe a week or two ago that she was going to be helming a new podcast for Shutter uh, in regards to women in horror. So kind of cool to see that because I know her from. You know, The Fog is Stevie Wayne. Love her voice, so I think she's perfect for a podcast. Yeah. yeah. So we're going to see her at the NJ HorrorCon, speaking of Adrian right. Barbeau. She is yeah, one of many really, of the guests that are coming up at the end of the yeah, month. That's, that's really cool yeah, that we're going to get to see her. Uh, so the original Swamp Thing film, if I haven't seen on the show before, is definitely one of my earliest, uh, you know, if you want to if you want to play that one as uh, – mm-hmm. When when HBO came to my family's home in the I guess early to mid 1980s, Swamp Thing was something that was on constant constant rotation. Yeah. Uh, Hell yeah, you know, it was, they, man. I remember that. Yeah, they, <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, you know, as far as premium movie channels in those days, there was three. 
there was HBO and there was Showtime and there was Cinemax. And there was also TMC, I guess, but we didn't have that one. And there wasn't like HBO East and HBO Blue and all these. There was just one of each. And, you know, th- this was the early days of home cable television. And these channels did not have, you know, long, lengthy <clears throat> rosters of of films. So they would play the same stuff over and over again. And Swamp Thing was one of those things. And, um, you know, seen it a million times. And they would <clears throat> they would they would show the one, uh, you know, where where Adrian Barbeau would take off her shirt in the water. Um, completely, mm-hmm. which was what was a fantastic when you're when you're a young man, and well, uh, Barbo. Barbo. you know, <clears throat> when it came uh, not long <laughs> after that, when when home, I don't know if you guys know this, uh, but when home video really started to become a thing uh, as we moved into the late '80s, uh, MGM when they released and labeled PG film. They used what was, I guess, the little, a couple minutes longer international version that had the nudity, and uh, that got released into the home market as rated PG. And uh, they had to do like a massive recall and uh, get those tapes out. Get those tapes. Was it a total recall? Uh, you know, parents, parents were getting Just those films like kids. this rated PG-13 movie. Yeah, but you know what? If it's rated PG, that's not supposed to be in there. Whether you like, whether no matter what you think about it, like boobs are not supposed to be in a PG movie. Back then, I thought you could anyway. get away with. I thought you get away with a titty shot in the PG back in the day. I thought you could. I, I, I don't know about. Just I don't know, maybe, you know what I, I mean? Know. Not like anybody grabbing them, not somebody fondling them, but like right. you know, just a quick reveal type of deal of a, of any accidental sword or something comedic and whatnot. I feel like that would have been. Well, I'm doing some research on that now. <laughs> <laughs> But anyway, the new podcast, just so you guys know, is going to be called She Kills. And, yeah, it's going to be straight for Shudder. Um, so, you know, and from what I understand, Eli Roth is also supposed to be involved with this podcast. Which he has his own podcast on there, the uh, History of Horror podcast, which is going to be extended interviews from his AMC show, which is going to be another mm. podcast to listen to. We are not sponsored by Shudder in any way, guys. Just let you know. So we keep talking about it every fucking week. Shudder, shudder. Like, God, we should well, be talking I mean, about it's, it's horror-related, and we, some of us have it. Yeah. I, yeah, I know you do. And I keep playing that card of, do I want to get it or not? I don't know. I might have I won't it. lie. I, I don't think I've used it in, in a while. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, I got it. I got it to watch. I got it specifically to watch my my revenge episode because uh, there was a free trial and then when the free trial ended it it, ro- it rolled over into a 4.99 a month kind of thing and i never bothered to to cancel it um which is what you know, they, they don't have a they don't yeah. right of course yeah. of course I, I you know i'm not i'm not uh you know not cognizant of that um but uh you know they have a decent they have a decent lineup it's not great um, I'm curious to see what they do if with any kind of original content or whatnot, but I'll hang on for it for a little yeah. while. Uh, it's just another, it's also another avenue to, to find things to watch for the show. So, yep. mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. Especially cause they do have some of those like older eighties and seventies films. Like there's some of that in there that you wouldn't expect to see and you can't, you might not necessarily be able to find it digitally in other locations. Especially me, what, like what? To, to buy the movies. <laughs> well, on the flip side, Andy still has that awesome site that he likes to go to that has a huge library and it's all free. What's what, that? Which one, one is that? Pornhub. 
Yeah. <laughs> what are you talking about, like 2B TV or something like that? Yeah, that's the one I go to, 2B TV. A ton of titles. Yeah. So I, I yeah, like IMDB has one now called Free Dive. There's okay. a few of those out there. Mm. Yeah, it's called Free Dive. It's from IMDB. Um, Ad supported, you know, you're not seeing anything commercial free, but yeah. still free. So, so yeah, we're I don't mind on the docket. <laughs> yeah, moving on. So, uh, uh, SXSW Festival is going on right now down in Austin. And, uh, you know, Robert Rodriguez, who has his uh, huge big budget film out there right now, that Alita Battle Age, whatever that's about. Um, the, uh, Alita Battle Age, you know, Southwest. Battle Festival. Angel. Yes, yeah, 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 South by Southwest. Okay. Um, Battle, so anyway, Battle Angel is a new live live action movie based on the manga and anime of the same title that um, both came out early nineties. Oh, thank you for sharing that because truthfully, I had no idea what the hell it was. Yeah, um, but what I do know is that is that Rod, Robert Rodriguez directed that with a one hundred and seventy million dollar budget, <clears throat> and if you think back. Uh, his very first feature, El Mariachi, uh, he brought in with a budget of only $7,000. Uh, Robert yeah. Rodriguez at the South by Southwest Festival uh, has debuted his new film, uh, a new horror thriller titled Red Eleven, that going back to his roots, he brought in for a $7,000 budget. Uh, supposedly, uh, it got very high marks at the festival, and, and people were very happy with it. I have no other news about when we're going to see this. Uh, but Robert Rodriguez, once again, going super low budget with a horror thriller, uh, Red Eleven, will be on our horizons and made for only $7,000. Oh, yeah, sweet. I give him a lot of credit. Uh, I read his book back in the day, Rebel Without a Crew, all about El Mariachi and how he filmed this movie for a very, very low budget and how he could do it. Um, I've always admired him. Like He's one of those guys that's just kind of outside the Hollywood fringe, but kind of in it as well. And he can work with a very limited budget and come up with a really good product. So big budget or not, you know, he delivers when it comes to his films. And I've never been disappointed by a Rodriguez film. With the exception of maybe Shark Boy and Lava Girl. <laughs> Those are fun for what they are. I mean, you know, fun popcorn kid movies. But like Yeah, and I'm pretty sure and, um, I'm pretty sure that he created that movie based on like drawings that his kids used to make and put on the refrigerator. So uh I've never mm-hmm. seen that movie particularly, but like I mean, that's a pretty badass move as a dad if you have the ability to do that, regardless <laughs> of the quality. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, this is, this is true. Be able to do that for your kids. That's pretty fucking amazing. But yeah, so I've been looking forward to seeing that. You know, because like I said, I'm a rubber. Yeah, I don't really have any details about what it's about. You know, that kind of came out of nowhere. It was its debut debut screening, uh, which was uh, they filmed it. I, I was it was. I'm sorry, it was screened. I believe on Monday at the festival this past Monday. So, um, you know, I, I haven't been able to track down any more details other than that. Uh, but moving right along uh, in the world of remakes and TV versions and competing properties, uh, such as the Critters stuff going on, uh, we also have some stuff going on in the Child's Play universe, where obviously we know the big Child's Play uh, theatrical remake is on the way, but... On the other side of the coin, uh, series creator Don Mancini is creating a Child's Play series uh, for the Sci-Fi Network that is mm-hmm. going to have uh, Brad Dourif 
uh, using his voice uh, for the TV series. Uh, Don Mancini has not given his blessings to the Child's Play remake, and Brad Dourif will not be participating in the in the in the remake. But the news was is that we're all going to be surprised that uh, for the Child's Play remake, they have an A-list celebrity uh, voicing uh, voicing Chucky. So uh, it has not been said who this A-list celebrity is. Uh, but apparently Chucky is going to have an A-list celebrity voice uh, when he returns to the big screen. Well, the last I heard was that they were looking for an A-list actor. They were seeking one. They didn't find one yet. They were seeking one out uh, because they did have a screening of the reboot uh, not that long ago for test audiences where the voice was just done by a generic voice actor. But they are looking for a A A-list actor for the voice of Chucky in that film. Uh, I posted on the Facebook page. I don't really think that you need to have an A-list actor play the voice. I think that's going to distract you more than it's going to do well for the film. Uh, I wanted to see where you guys I'm reading. Well, I'm reading. I'm reading that they have casted an A-list actor. Okay. All right. So it's been updated since I posted because that last uh, and they were seeking one. Yeah, I'm, I've read that they have reportedly cast an, a, an A-list celebrity actor. Um, look, so wait, I don't they seek, know are that... Are they seeking one, or did they cast one? I'm reading that they've casted one. Right. But, so they, the, but they're not saying who yet. But the king says they're seeking one. Uh, yeah, but I don't know when each of us did our research. I'm looking, I'm, looking at a, I'm looking at an article. I'm looking at it right now. Right. Todd Fernandez has reportedly one. cast... I am, yes. as I'm saying right now, Child's Play remake has reportedly cast an A-list actor to voice Chucky. Yes, yeah. so then they're, they're not. They're not. But they don't. They're, they're, no. Anyone. Well, they if they if they have casted one, then maybe a few days ago they were seeking one, but Wouldn't they have possible. casted one or yeah. reportedly. Uh, but anyway, they haven't said who this is going to be, and really, I think I'm going with the king on this one. I really don't think that this is something that that is that that big of a deal. I really right. think that Child's Play is something uh, that has a built-in audience. I really don't think this is a property that is going to be pulling in much in the way of new fans. And I mm-hmm. don't think people that maybe, you know, because the first Child's Play was kind of a, you know, a borderline mainstream hit, you know, other than just horror fans, the original one. Um, right. yeah. I don't think it's something that is bringing people back that saw that and liked it and then didn't stick. Uh, be like, oh, who's the celebrity voice of Chucky? I don't really, uh, I'm with you. I don't think this matters. I don't think it's a big deal. Uh, whether it's fucking George Clooney or, 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 or Mark Wahlberg or, you know, whoever it might be, I, I don't think it's that big a deal. And I don't think it's something that is going to really have any uh, impact on the bottom line. Right. Uh, go where do you weigh in on this? I think that, you know, listen. Does it really make a difference whether or not it's a big celebrity playing Chucky? <clears throat> no. But if it what? is an A-list person that is relevant to the younger audience out there that might get attracted to seeing this movie otherwise, then to the studio, yeah, it's going to make a difference getting that person in there. Um, but my question, my question on that, though, is that uh, – the way that the the younger generation consumes their media is there is there like a an a list actor in the younger generation that that has such a fan base and such a pull that would pull audience 
Jared I can't Leto. think of one okay. off the top of my head. <laughs> Jared Zac Leto. Efron. <laughs> Zac Efron. There you go. Is Zac Efron truly? It was, it's truly, truly. Is Zac Efron truly an A-list celebrity? Joe Jonas. <laughs> maybe ten, maybe Ken. seven years ago. <laughs> no, but I agree with with a lot. Of what you guys are saying is it really doesn't matter, man. It's like it's, they need to be. I think like if this is John what they're concentrating Cena. on, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> you can't see me, bitch. <laughs> yeah. But if this is the article they're putting out and, you know, this is what they're making a big deal, I think they're concentrating on the wrong shit. Again, you know, like we always talk about on the show is Wayne Brady. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I still you know, think it's Sean Connery. <laughs> Didn't he retire? he come out of retirement? He <laughs> should yeah. this, you know. That would be perfect. <laughs> Junior. Junior. I'm going to rape your whole mama. Damn. <laughs> Sean Connery, Chucky rules. <laughs> yeah, I'm Andrew. Yeah, Andrew. It's time to play hide the soul. <laughs> now I'm having flashbacks to Sean Connery visiting me during summer vacations. Hello, Andy. Why don't you sit on my knee? No, I don't want to. <laughs> but I'll give you a lollipop. No. Because I have to do things for it. Oh, you little bitch. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, I was like I was saying, it's like all they need to concentrate really is story. If that's what they're putting their time and money on is getting a, a voice actor, it's like I think they're going in the wrong direction. They need to be spending that time concentrating on the story. You yeah. have to tell the story yeah. and everything else will just fall into place. I think it's going to be distracting to have an A-list celebrity because you're going to be wanting to hear the voice the entire yeah. time. Not going to give a fuck what's happening in the background. Like, Jesus, Harrison Ford is Chucky? Nice. But still, don't need it. I don't know if I'm going to find it as a distraction, you know, regardless of who it is. You know, I mean, I, uh, unless it's just so, like, over-the-top done... Yeah, no, mm. I don't know. It's uh, but you know, kind of like the doc said. I I really do wonder, like who who gets considered, you know, the A list celebrity that's going to voice, you know, Chucky. Schwarzenegger. Oh wow, <laughs> Sylvester Stallone. Where is Tiffany? <laughs> yeah. Ew, I'm gonna kill this kid over here because he's like fucking this kid, right? <laughs> Dude, I don't even Excellent. know. Honestly, and, and fandom aside, honestly, like I don't even know if you consider him an A-list celebrity these days. Yeah, Chris I Evans. feel like the A-list they got, like the get hugest of the from huge, the Marvel you know? Like that's what they're like, gonna do. Obviously, you know, I'm not trying to have a whole Stallone discussion, but just like him in his yeah. status. Yes, he is in the creator of one of the mm. arguably the biggest American franchise of all time. Uh, yeah. But he like his stuff is like specific audience uh, kind of genre yeah. now. Uh, I mean, I mean yeah. and and you know he is not he's not the focal point of of the Creed series. Um, you know, like when the next Rambo comes out, that's for like a niche audience. That's not like a huge mainstream thing. Um, no, but I, I think the goals say. go. 
I, I think the goal is going in the right direction, though. It's like they're probably going to pull Star Lord again, like so they do, just like they pull him for every other movie. <laughs> well, Chris Pratt. Yeah. Maybe it's going to be know. it's going to be somebody from you know it's it's got to be somewhere someone along the lines of that we're going to know this person through. Either it's the MCU or the DCU, but most likely I would say it's going to be the MCU. Who's who's making the film again? MGM, right? Yeah, MGM. Mm-hmm. So and, I mean, and, well, and MGM has brothers at that point. And MGM, no, MGM has ties with Disney anyway, so there you go. Do they? Okay, so then then there you go. Yeah. It's already built in. Robert Downey Jr. as the voice of Chucky. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Jesus. What? What, not Batista? <laughs> yeah, I know. He's not quite a list. <laughs> Sorry, Drax. Not quite there yet. But uh, we'll have to claude Van Damme as the voice of Buddy. <laughs> I'd be on board once again. Chuck Norris as the voice of Buddy. That's a list. <laughs> well, Can't have that, though, know. man. I would say D list, but okay. You're He's missing an action. <laughs> oh, he can't yeah, sell the come up forever. Uh, <laughs> Gotta get back to movies. Okay. So, so moving on, what else have you got, Doc, for horror news? Uh, a couple more things to talk about. One very quickly. Uh, I don't know if you guys have all been watchers of this series, but I have, and I think that it's just like super fun. Uh, Netflix has announced that March 29th, uh, season three of the Santa Clarita Diet will debut. Uh, starring mm-hmm. Drew Barrymore and Timothy Oliphant. Uh, I think it's a super fun series. It's both dark and light at the same time. And, uh, you know, we will continue the saga of, uh, you know, trying to keep Drew Barrymore fed, um, you know, and, and, and try to see if we can solve her, solve her little problem. Uh, I think Santa... I, <laughs> I think Santa Clarita Diet is, is just delightful. And... Uh, Season three is coming March 29th. I enjoy it. I'm a fan. I've, I've seen both seasons. Looking forward to season three. Yeah, I mean, Man, I kind of nailed it. Funny but I dark. Some, I want some fucking news for Cobra Kai. I haven't heard a damn thing about season two. <laughs> season two, the first, the first trailer, the first trailer just uh, came out. Uh, maybe the end of last week. Uh, Cobra Kai oh, season two trailer. Uh, really? Yes, it did. Uh, yeah, so oh, get on, awesome. get off your get off your ass and pay attention, man. Uh, but really? uh, so it should be coming out sometime in 2019. There was not an official release date for it, uh, but they do have the the trailer up. Uh, the trailer does not give too much away, but there is obviously some you know new stuff that we will learn in this trailer about what direction some of our characters are going to be going in. And uh, Cobra Kai two season two is on the way. That is awesome. Thank you, Doc. <laughs> Monkey, you're dropping the ball once again. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> Get on it. Leave my balls, leave my balls out of this, King. I always do. Uh, <laughs> and uh, finally, uh, you know, wrapping up this portion of the Talking Terror podcast, uh, we all know, obviously, that the, the Pet Cemetery remake is getting closer and closer to arrival in our cinemas. Uh, there is, and I wasn't even Cinema. aware that this existed, uh, maybe you guys have heard of this, but the the CJ the CJ four uh, Dplex type film. I don't know if you guys have heard about this, the uh, but apparently, 
there is a totally immersive uh, cinema company called CJ 4 Dplex. Uh, yeah. They refer to their films as being displayed in 4DX technology. Uh, that's a fully immersive experience that includes uh, motion seats, wind, fog, lighting, vibrations, smells, um, you know, wind and rain, uh, all kinds of stuff. So anyway, there are 624 of these screens in the world, and only 15 of them are in the United States. But the upcoming Pet Cemetery remake is going to be given the full 4DX treatment. Uh, I do not know in, where any of these screens in the United States are located. I did not research that, but uh, it sounds like a kind of a cool thing to me, I suppose. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah that's going to be the wave of the future, um, these 4DX theaters, where it's going to be totally immersive uh, with the seats, like the monkey I talked about when he saw Deadpool 2, uh, but they're going to kind of incorporate like fog machines and surround sound and really kind of make you feel like you're in the movie. Rather than just watching it, so wait. The monkey saw for, uh, one of these. A monkey saw a movie. One of these movies. No, 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 no. Okay, um, no. It was uh, 4D seating where you, you didn't have the, all of the other stuff involved, but the seats moved with the movie. So if the camera oh, okay. would pan, if the camera would pan to the left, the seat would move to the left. If there was an action sequence and like the car takes off, the seats tilt back and shake during vibra- uh, explosions and all that kind of shit. You know, and then you, ha- and then you have your own speakers in the seat, and you can adjust your personal volume to yourself. The future. The future is here for cinema. Yeah, but, okay, <laughs> but can you really say it's the future, or are we actually taking a step back to the 50s when everyone was doing the shtick about, you know, like the tingler and stuff like that with the seats that vibrated and... Well, well, I mean to interject that 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 was a William Castle shtick back in the fifties. That wasn't at every single theater across America. That was a, kind of a traveling show where you'd have maybe two or three seats with you know the tingler shocker seats. Um, you'd have the scaredy cat corner for House and Haunted Hill. You know you'd have skeletons flying over the seats during the production of the you know during the movie itself. You know he was a showman. So that's what he wanted to do. He wanted to make it a fun experience, but not necessarily immersive. He just wanted to fucking scare you and make you laugh and, and you know, grip on your girl or your guy a little tighter. That's it. It wasn't him trying to make it an immersive experience. When Cal okay. didn't give a fuck about his movies, he just wanted to make money. And he knew how. <laughs> he knew how to do it with, with all those little tricks. You know, like Mr. Sardonicus with the voting, whether or not he should die or not at the end of the movie. You know, is doing little things like that, but it wasn't as mm-hmm. quite as immersive. Um, but it's interesting, Doc, that you brought up that cemetery because they have the TV spots now uh, that have been hearing for the movie. And the ghoul had brought up uh, like two weeks ago about the big twist we had talked about, how they're changing it uh, as opposed to the original. There's a TV spot now, and I hope you guys get a chance to see it because it fucking ruins the entire movie. They show you entirely too much. I mean, they're showing a Judd's death, you know, in the trailer itself. You see where it's going to happen. You see Rachel, you know, combating up against Ellie. I couldn't believe it was on TV. I was like, are you kidding me? They're giving away the entire movie in a 30-second block. I think you guys are making too much of a big deal about this. I think they're giving away too much. They're showing you too much. Like, I get it. You're going to do the twist. But hide a little bit of it. You know, no, but kind of hide your hands a little bit of it so we could be shocked when we go to see it. I don't want to see it all in a 30-second TV spot. Well, even the king's mother, 
yeah, the king's mother called the king and bitched about the trailer because yeah. of the the you know of what they showed in the trailer. She she was mad as hell. She was. She was fired up. Didn't like it. She's like, they just gave you the entire movie. She's like, why did they do that? She's like, it's okay that there's a twist, but holy shit. She's like, I just watched the entire movie. She's like, I don't have to see it anymore. I'll wait till it's free on HBO. Good choice. <laughs> yeah. yeah and, but, you know, again, everyone knows that cemetery. Do you, and do you, like, do you think maybe they're just showing so much just to try and get somebody in? Like, maybe the, the younger kids who haven't seen it? You know, like, because I'm totally confused by, you know, their, you know, merchandising routine here. It's like, I, I'm just completely confused by the trailers. Like, you know, why they would even show so much. Yeah. Uh, what do you think, Gould? I mean, listen, man, I said what I said two weeks ago about it, you know. I'm yeah. not thrilled that they, they went this route with it, why they did it. I mean, I, I get what the doc is saying as far as, you know, age of the people going to see these movies. Nobody knows, you know, besides horror fans, this and that. But I don't know, man. I, I, I just know that this went from something that I might have been interested in seeing in the theater to something that I know now I'm definitely waiting until it comes out on digital or, or DVD or whatever. Right. I don't think it's affected me that strongly, man. I think I'm still going to take a walk downtown and see it. I feel that uh, these... Well, I don't the movies think that... Uh, yeah. No, I hear what you're saying, but I just I feel that with the the way that these Stephen King properties now when it comes to the theatrical... Uh, creations are kind of been, being given more of this like serious cinema treatment. I feel that the people making these movies are not dummies, and I think that uh, we maybe maybe based on what they're showing us, we're going to be in for some surprises uh, that were not being shown. Um, not that these are like tricks or red herrings or anything like that, but uh, you know, obviously adjustments have been made to the story, and I'm curious to see. Uh, what those might be, aside from what they've shown us. I think we're going to be in for some surprises. Uh, I'm not saying that's that going to make this a good movie or a bad movie, uh, but I'm curious I'm curious to see it, I think. And I think I'm probably going to... I've been enjoying, uh, you know, more so in the, within the last year, um, you know, have I enjoyed uh, getting out to the theater to see some of these horror movies in the theater. Uh, I have a theater like 25 steps from my place, and it's really like I went, I saw it, I saw a Quiet Place, I saw Halloween. Um, I've been enjoying having the big screen experience with these kinds of movies for the first time in a very long time. And I think I'm going to check this one out. All right. So what are you saying? Well, I, I think since you're definitely going to go check it out, what I would say is, is before you do so, let me know. And I'm going to write down on paper, exactly what it is that I think you're going to see based on just what I've seen on the trailers. And okay. <laughs> I want to know, after you see the film, how close I am to what I think this entire movie is going to be as far as what, whether or not they spoiled everything in the trailers. Got it. You might be close. You might be close to that. Um, and one of the things I wanted to bring up is because we're talking about Stephen King Pet Cemetery. It was just announced this week that the tower Bless you. is going to be getting Somebody a. Uh, I didn't hear yeah, that. sorry. That, that was me. Okay. Sorry. Uh, Don't do that again, bro. Why would you do that? 
Yeah, man. Why right would you do when that? I'm talking too. You fuck. Like, you know, I'm trying to talk. I'm trying to get something out. You gotta fucking sneeze. I'm. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Mute I'm yourself, not bitch. sorry. And I'll do it again. <laughs> but anyway, Smokey, why don't you fucking blow your nose while I talk about how the Talisman is getting a big production uh, movie that's going to be coming out soon. Uh, I mean, this is a movie that people have been expecting since the book was released when Steven Spielberg bought the rights. And now it's finally getting made into a film. Uh, I know that the ghoul lent me a copy of The Talisman, and I fucking loved it. I was like, you know what? This is one of those offbeat Stephen King, Peter Straub, where I could see it being a movie and being really good. Ghoul, what hey, do you listen, think? you know, I, uh, yeah, he, he, they wrote The Talisman, they wrote Black House. Um, right. I unfortunately read them out of order. I read mm-hmm. Black House first, um, which is a book that takes place like 20, 30-something years after the events of The Talisman. Um, I feel like The Talisman is one of those stories that, if done right, is going to resonate well with a younger audience as well as just your your average Stephen King fan. Uh, it's not so much horror-based as it is kind of like a, uh, a bit of a fantasy road-slash-movie, right. too. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I really am hoping that this is successful just because I want to see Black House made. Black House is fucking phenomenal. I love that book. Oh, yeah. I remember I got that right after I read The Talisman, because uh, you had told me about The Black House, and I was like, oh, there's a sequel? Okay, I'm all in. Uh, yeah, blew me away. So I'm kind of hoping that's the way they go. Um, but a lot of people have been saying, well, I'm excited for The Talisman, but remember what happened with Dark Tower. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. don't forget that's what happened and when you made Dark Tower into a, a theatrical film. This could happen with the Talisman too. I'm kind of hoping that the well, Talisman, Talisman though is a standalone story all on its yeah. own, as yeah. opposed to the Dark Tower, which was a larger form multi-book story. Talisman stands all on its own as far as itself being a book. So I think that's I think it's easier to translate this to film than it was for the challenge of making the Dark Tower movie. That's a good point. Actually, The uh, Talisman is kind of one of those side movies that would have fit in with our series. Yeah. Because it is the same universe. Yeah, it connects. There's connecting threads. Um, But it's interesting, people saying, don't forget about The Dark Tower when it comes to The Talisman. Um, But, uh, Doc, uh, go ask you earlier, you know, since, you know, you have the, the cold and you're not feeling so well, if you had to make a wish, what would it be? Hmm. Day nine, uh, any nigga. <laughs> uh, let's let's revisit this again late, later in the show. <laughs> well, listen, you know what? We don't even need to revisit this in this episode, okay? We'll give everybody right. up until next week. How about that? Because it is kind but, of one of those what like, if, off-putting questions, you know? What if I'm cured by then? <laughs> well, That's then okay. you're not going to have to worry about it. Then you don't get the special okay. Superman leukemia kit in the mail. <laughs> I don't want that. In the yeah, mail. then you don't. Then you don't get to ride in Santa's sleigh, Kyle, because you're a. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm sad. You don't get your visit by John Cena next week. I'm sick and, and, and sad. Now I'm sad. <laughs> but 
Yeah, that is a, a good question. So I also think of one monkey. You think of one. So we'll all have a make a wish, you know, topic for next week's show. Oh, <laughs> uh, it's so favorite. perfect. Always <laughs> wish your favorite horror hosts were dead. Well, them too. So we tune in next week when we talk about our make a wishes for our dying <laughs> We're all dying next week. We have to make a wish. John Cena, come on over. Give me that title. We can take pictures. John Cena sucks. John Cena sucks. Oh, I'm sorry. Who's John Cena? It's somebody that you can't see. That's, that's yeah. It. Hard to yeah. see. It's a problem. But he never gives up. And he's all about that hustle world at the end of the So, yeah. <laughs> but, so, yeah. So lots of things. Thugonomics. Yeah, that's Dr. Thugonomics. Oh, no, I don't want to remember that, John Cena. But, <laughs> nope. With the big chain around his neck. Looking like Marky Mark back in the 90s. <laughs> I'll take a hard pass on that one. Um, but, you know, as we go into it, so that was it for you, uh, Doc? Nothing more to report on? That's what's happening today. today. Thank you, and good night. This has been Talking Terror. We'll see you next week. Oh, no, no. Actually, we have a movie to talk about. As we go from our horror host dying to a bunch of Kiwis dying, we move into this week's movie. <laughs> it's an iconic movie. Iconic. It's iconic. Oh, I'm so excited. Go ahead, you smoucher rat monkey bitch. Let's talk about the movie. All right. This week's pick is Dead Alive, also known as Brain Dead, a 1992 film directed by Peter Jackson. Yes, Lord of the Rings, Peter Jackson. This is a charming little piece about a rare exotic monkey that is taken from its home on Gold Island and moved to a zoo in New Zealand. But this monkey is infected with a horrible disease, a disease that when it bites its victims, they succumb, yep, they succumb to a horrible process of full-body decomposition and eventually into a state of being not quite dead but not quite alive either. So listen in as we discuss the struggles and perils of Lino and Paquita, two lovers joined together by fate who must confront the terrors of the not-quite-dead in their tiny little New Zealand town. That's pretty much what the movie's about. Now, for me, all right, I went into this film completely blind. I've never, ever seen this movie before. Um, heard about it, but never seen it. I solely picked this How movie on the premise. Right? Yeah. I... Yeah. I, I, I <laughs> Go ahead, continue. Continue. Yeah. <laughs> we'll get to it. Yeah, I solely picked this movie on just the premise that I saw several spoiler-free reviews that said if you love gore and you love practical effects, then this is a movie for you. And all I knew about this movie were three things. Peter Jackson, practical effects, and a lawnmower. So I was totally blown away by this film when I got to see it. In no way, shape, or form was I prepared for the weird-ass slapstick, raunchy-as-hell, makes-no-apologies, gore-filled acid trip of a horror movie that this thing was. 
So while this film is by no means the scariest horror movie that I've seen, I can definitely say that it's one hell of a fucking ride, and it's definitely one of the bloodiest, and I fucking loved it. <laughs> All right. Cool. What do you think about Dead Alive? Listen, man, it's Dead Alive, okay? I uh, This is up there as one of my, my favorite movies of of all time. I, we, we, I've watched this so many freaking times at this point. There was a stretch of time where the quotes were just nonstop flying out of our mouths. Um, yeah. Like, you know, and I, I had not come to this movie until a later point. Uh, that much I will, that, that I can say. I did not see this in its video store days, even though I do remember the box art just oh so specifically like i remember seeing this in the video store seeing that skull with the the you know coming through the the mouth being pulled open and uh-huh. thinking i'm going to i'm going to rent that one day and just never doing it oh maybe i should rent that no i'm going to stay away from it nothing about it kind of hinted at the comedic aspects of the film and i think maybe if they had I might have rented it now. Yeah, probably not. I probably would have just rented fucking Jason Takes Manhattan, you know, again for like the billionth time. Um, but uh, but yes, good choice. Yes, I, I love this movie. So that's that's all I have to say about this at this point. <laughs> uh, so Doc, what do you think about that alive? The first, what I just I what a, it's, it's 2019. So what I have to say <laughs> first is how excuse me. How is someone that is a, a self-proclaimed uh, practical effects and gore person uh, that is into horror, that is not a teenager, get to 2019 without ever seeing this film? Please explain. That's bullying. That's I, bullying. You know what? You're film shaming. <laughs> no, how is that no. bullying? film shaming. I'm truly curious. No, it's, it's not that. film shaming. It'd be no. It's, it's I'm cool. not film no, shaming at all. I, 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 that's an honest question. No, it's one of those things where, again, like the ghoul said, I, I <laughs> had seen the art, you know, the cover art in the VHS stores all that time, you know, all, saw it all the time, never got around to checking it out. But I just never even heard of this movie uh, until a year ago. You know, and when I started doing research about practical effects movies, it's like I honestly never heard of it. And it's like, you know, it just throws me off that more people aren't talking about this movie for the practical effects that are in here. It's like the people that know it love it, but it seems like, you know, outside of that, it's not that big of a movie to the rest of the horror fans. Well, okay. Fair enough. I I don't know, but I I am going to uh, echo... Pretty much exactly what the ghoul said. I have the same exact video store story. In fact, when I acquired this on DVD, when the ghoul and I watched this for the first time together, and the first, watched it for the first time, uh, we like were, he was like, oh, I totally remember seeing this cover with the hands opening the mouth and the skull inside from the video store. And I was like, oh, I remember the exact same thing and, and never saw it. And we like laughed our asses off and, and, and had the same exact story. And then we watched it. And yes, uh, Dead Alive or Brain Dead, whatever you want to call it from Peter Jackson. I mean, this is the GOAT. Like, this is like the greatest of all time. It has everything. Uh, and, and the ghoul is right. After we watched this a few times, we, we would just quote lines from this, like, 
wherever they were applicable at all times, we'd be like at a store and like paying and like use a line, like use a line to that would fit like from the clerk and then giggle like idiots. Like we were spinning lines from this movie nonstop. This is just an absolute wonderful film. Uh, at its heart, a beautiful love story story between Lionel and Paquita. But like, <laughs> the just—I mean, that's what it is. It's 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 a love triangle between a boy, his mother, and and his love. And this is true. I mean, just it's funny, and the characters are funny. But the effects work in this movie, and the volume, just the volume of the effects in this movie, are yeah. just. It's just, 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 it never gets old. It's absolutely outstanding to watch. This movie is, 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 if not my favorite in the genre, you know, it's, it's, if I had a top 20, it definitely would be up there in the top. But like, this is a, if I had to, if I had to bring a small horror collection with me to a desert island, this is one of my desert island films for certain. Uh, Dead Alive is just, just spectacular. Top 10. If I could, real quick, before you go. Uh, what you have oh, to yeah, say, King. I just want to say, in the monkey's defense here, I do get what monkey's saying about people talking about this film. Um, this is one of those movies that if you know it, you know it. But not every general horror fan knows it. They might know the name of it. They might know, oh, Peter Jackson, the guy that did The Lord of the Rings. Didn't he make that movie? But they may not have seen it nor know what it actually entails. Um, right. that, that much I do get. I have run into that plenty of times. No, no, seriously, even the Devo, when I said this is my pick, you know, and I told her I'm excited because I've never seen this movie. She was like, how the fuck you of all people have never heard of Dead Alive? I was like, so you've seen it? And she was like, no. And she, and she was like, yeah, me and all my friends quote it all the time, you know. And, she, and, you know, and then she just looked at me and she goes, I can't ask for the Lord. And I was like, what? And she goes, you'll get it. Mm-hmm. Oh, man, even the team is for divine intervention, wow. baby. Wow, man. <laughs> So, King, what did you think? Yeah, of let her have that mantle. All I did was ask a fucking question. <laughs> yeah. um, I mean, I, I do love the term film shaming. I haven't heard it until tonight, so I'm going to use that a lot. <laughs> you know, well, nobody film shame anybody. The ghoul is throwing inaccurate a- accusations around here. I just no, no, and no, and we all we all have our jobs here on the show, and when we come across something like this where it's supposed to be so well-known, you know, for people like us. And that's why I admit I'm the one with the least amount of horror knowledge. And it's a very legitimate question, in my opinion. So, yeah, you know, we're all cool, Doc. <laughs> and it's fine. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with what the ghoul said about uh, horror fans and knowing it, um, knowing the title, knowing Peter Jackson, knowing the lawnmower sequence, but maybe not being huge fans of it. Um, I'm not the biggest fan of Dead Alive. I do enjoy it. Uh, but it's definitely not one of those movies where I rank it very highly. Um, it, it's enjoyable. It's comedic. It's got a lot of blood, a lot of practical effects. But, uh, you know, I I never really got into it uh, as much as some other people, you know, that I've talked to in the horror community that, that love Dead Alive, like you guys. Um, it's just one of those movies. That, it, it's a fun ride. But, you know, there's other movies that I appreciate a little bit more uh, because I felt like Dead Alive was trying to chase after Evil Dead 2 where Evil Dead 2, I think, is the better movie. Uh, if I'm you know, going to watch one over the other, I'm going to pick Evil Dead 2, because I think it's the perfect blend of horror, gore, and comedy, uh, where Dead Alive fell a little bit short for me. 
Um, and it's interesting the doc had brought up the love triangle because a year later, in 1993, we get Ed and his dead mother with Steve Buscemi and Ed Beatty. Uh, and similar kind of story where she's dead, but there's a love triangle. Um, definitely not gory, definitely not bloody, but uh, you know, horror thematic with romantic and comedic elements. Uh, but yeah, Dead Alive is what it is. I think every horror fan that wants to see blood, wants to see gore, has to see Dead Alive. Like it, it's a must see. And I'm not trying to film shame anybody. It's just I think that you have to see it just to see what Peter Jackson could do back in his early days, and then show what he did with the Lord of the Rings series when he has a huge fucking budget and he's able to do carte blanche what he wants to do with the film. Man, yeah, it's just straight off the bat. It threw me off, like, watching this movie, and, like, I didn't had no idea about the budget, but, like, even before we get into the movie, like, I, I just want to say, like, I was just blown away about how much money was put just into effects. Like, the entire fucking budget was put into effects. And it's like, I, I just loved it. Yeah, I would say probably the majority of the budget was spent on, and spent in a very good way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> with the the effects, um, but and yeah, the Skull Island I felt was kind of a fun reference to King Kong, which Peter Absolutely. Jackson would also go on to direct <laughs> in his <laughs> later career. Uh, the adaptation with Jack Black, not a great movie, but still you get it. Um, yeah, but you know, but I, I you know I call it a reference right off the bat, and then you know call it the irony later. Oh yeah, look at that, you know, but it, yeah. And I didn't catch if the movie says that it's in the 50s at the beginning. Um, when it says Skull Island, I totally missed over that because I was busy just checking out everything else on the screen. But, yeah, the movie starts off on Skull Island, you know, <clears throat> where we have two explorers going around trying to look for the sacred, I think they call it the red monkey, or do they call it the rat monkey straight off the bat? Rat monkey is what I thought it was. The Samaritan oh, okay. rat monkey. <laughs> yeah, it's hard Not to tell with the yep. accent. <laughs> said the rat monkey <laughs> but I also like how it, you know we get this quick little like feeling of like Indiana Jones kind of movie going on where yeah. you know guys are you know being treasure hunters you know and have to deal with the natives and running away but things don't go as well for them as they did for Harrison Ford <laughs> especially not for uh, the zookeeper <laughs> <laughs> I work for the New Zealand Zoo Commission I can do whatever I want. <laughs> you see, this this is a permit, a permit. <laughs> and the poor bastard gets cut up, which I thought was a great kind of way to open the movie, with him getting scratched, and they're like, "Oh shit, he he's fucking cut up." No, we gotta cut his arm off. <laughs> gotta cut that hand off. Yeah. <laughs> you know, poor guy had scratches everywhere. <laughs> no way he's going back. But but I love how we start off right away with the comedy here because when you, again, again having no idea what's going on, but uh, you know every time they find a new scratch on the zookeeper, they cut that body part off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they have to. Huh? Which leads to the question of how the monkey got back to New Zealand in the first place. If the guy's dead, who brought it back? The other guys brought it back because they're the ones that you saw that um, got got the money for bringing. The monkey off the steamship. Is that what it was? Okay, see, I glossed yeah. over that. Um, yeah. Because you know, I was wondering at myself, I was like, how the fuck did the monkey get back? Because the zookeeper's dead. They don't want to bring that monkey anywhere. They know it's evil. They know it causes, you know, zombies. I no, know these but people you know, aren't going to want to do it. 
No, because they want the big bucks, remember? <laughs> oh, yeah. There you go. So, one less body isn't going to mean anything to them. But, but then... Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. go ahead. No, I was going to say, it's kind of an interesting thing with the movie where it takes that cut after that Skull Island to Lionel and Paquita, where it's all of a sudden now you're kind of in like a weird, you know, 80s romance movie where it's taking a hard left <laughs> turn from the horror to talk about Lionel and, you know, his shy behavior and Paquita who believes in uh, tarot cards and, and magic and, and, you know, being her soulmate. Yeah, it's a weird kind of thing where it just takes this hard left turn to kind of build a yeah. story. Yes, yeah. it, it takes a weird, twisted little, you know, John Hughes kind of thing off to the side here, you know, of, you know, because she actually likes this other guy that frequents the store, but, you know, her grandmother keeps telling her that, you know, that's not the guy for you. Let's lay down some tarot cards and let's find your true love. <laughs> yeah, and, you know, one thing, too. Uh, when she says that the star is going to be the first thing that you see when you meet your first true soulmate. And when Lionel knocks over the, what, I guess that was beef jerky that he was trying to buy, so. like, you know, meat leather. <laughs> yeah. I couldn't tell what it was. But what happened was it didn't look like it was in the position of a star. It looked like a crucifix and then just kind of a, a beef leather. <laughs> was like, it, it was, well, it was looking like that, that symbol that was on the card, which we we're going to get lay, later, you know. Okay. Maybe, but uh, yeah. <laughs> but Ghoul, what did you think about Lionel? Because I felt like him as a character, it's it's fine. But I felt like that's the Kiwi version of Bruce Campbell in this movie. Throughout the entire film, I was like, this is just the Kiwi version. I mean, listen, I get I get the comparisons to Evil Dead too. Um, I mean, mm-hmm. obviously, you got to kind of kind of blind with that. I mean, it's a, a zombie esque. You know, horror film with t- with touches of comedy to it. Um, right. At no point, though, do I really sit here and compare, you know, Lionel to Bruce Campbell. I mean, they're totally two different characters, two totally different personality types. I mean, everything to do with Lionel as a character has to also do with his love match here, Paquita. You know, he's the awkward nerd, and she is this spiritual believing chick who up until this point thought that Roger was supposed to be her, her mate. But upon yeah. her grandma, you know, reading some, some tarot cards, you know, finds that, uh, that it is not meant to be. Um, and then, yes, you know, now, now we have her and, and Lionel, you know, because they are romantically and, entangled. And you can't go poor wrong. Lionel, man. Uh, also, like just, so innocent and just trying so hard to like make everyone happy and make everything okay and and save everyone and uh you know just keeps the situation for this poor guy just keeps getting worse and worse <laughs> did they yeah, ever establish what Lionel does for a living in the movie like i don't feel like there was ever a drop line where they said what he does he takes care of his mother all. so that's, that's it yeah it's a caretaker <laughs> that's a mom they're rich, but that's part. Yeah. yeah, I mean, he's a he's a he's a he's a mama's boy, and that I think. But this whole thing is part of his character transformation into his own man. Yeah, Which it does happen, but yeah, I, I just didn't know if they had a drop line of like Lionel maybe he works at a shop somewhere, or he's just kind of independently wealthy with his mother living in a house. But 
you know, this, all the interactions that you get with Lionel with his mother are just in his house. Like, he doesn't go anywhere. He's kind of like a Norman Bates, except he doesn't kill him until the end. <laughs> it's a small town, and I do actually think that's very much a, uh, a good comparison right there. Um, I feel like that's something Peter Jackson was going for, was the, the, mm-hmm. the Bates relationship. Right. Yeah, that's the now, comparison I took away. Go ahead, Monkey. No, and I just wanted to throw in a thing. And as we're talking about the town and stuff like that, um, again, going in completely blind, I didn't realize it was the 50s. You know, so then when we actually get to New Zealand and we start to see the town, you know, I'm like, you know, what the fuck's up with all these weird-ass fucking cars and these, like, weird fucking trolleys that are only two people wide, you know, going, going around the street. And, like, I... I Seriously, man, when I first saw all, all of that, I like I kept swearing they were models, you know, because I was like, some of them were. Fucked up. Okay. Oh, okay. Because I kept swearing like the scale was off or something like that. But then when I actually saw people getting on and off of them, I was like, oh, holy shit, those weird trousers are for fucking real. <laughs> Uh, there were obviously there were shots that did have real trolleys in them, like when we see Lionel board one. Yeah. But then there were also right. scenes in which you know Peter Jackson doing what Peter Jackson does. Think about this: we've seen him do these things in Lord of the Rings. We've seen him do these things in Meet the Feebles. You know the the oh, he's always got. You know, it's one of those things that it's it's easy to say, obviously, with all the Oscars and the awards and everything that he won. But, you know, to say that Peter Jackson is a genius, when you look at what he does with money and how varied his films are, even within the films themselves, you know, like here we're talking about, you know, brain dead, you know, dead alive. And yet you have this this intricate love story that's very believable between Lionel and Paquita, all mixed on top of a zombie crazy fest that is going to get as ridiculously gory as possible and yet oh, yeah. still retain everything about that love story. Um, you, you don't see that in a lot of movies. A lot of movies go one way or they go the other and they don't succeed. You know, at one, They don't succeed at one or the other. They can only handle one. This can handle all of that stuff. And Jackson does this in other films. Now, not always quite as successful. Feebles was quite a disappointment, in my opinion. But, uh, yes, he does have uh, actual small models. Yeah. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, and to, to, to Monkey's point, I didn't realize fully that this movie took place in the 50s until he kind of brought up that point because I just felt like New Zealand is behind the times, like Cuba. Like they're just—they have those cars from the fifties. Like that's just yeah. well, you also look at the radios and stuff like that. So I mean, there were other things hinting at yeah. it being back well, in the day. Well, well, also I didn't know if he was going for like just this weird retro feel, like John Waters does in a lot of his movies, where he's you know yeah. sometimes doesn't give it a specific time, but gives it a retro feel. You know, so I, again, because this is my first time seeing this movie, it's completely blind. You know, I like so all of this was just coming at me a wave of just, you know, all kinds of new shit that just kept adding to the, the fun of the ride. <laughs> no, right, the great point to bring up. Um, but you know, when we get to their first date at the zoo, I just I couldn't believe that the mother came along too. <laughs> you would think that you know. You would tell her, hey, I'm going to go to the store for a couple hours. See you later. But really, he's just going to bang Paquita. No, no, they're going to go to the zoo and have a date with the mother in tow. 
just to check no, on, no. you know. They're not the having yet, as I said, but, but yes, with the, the mom the going there, <clears throat> that's just you. it's just showing us the relationship and the type of life that Lionel leads. Like this, like I said, this movie is a whole transformation of his character into being his own man. In a way, I guess. I mean, and that's a good point that I wanted to bring up later about his old men and what happens with them, um, the weird flashbacks that he gets until it's fully realized. Uh, but it was an interesting thing with the date, you know, where it's a very just innocent kind of uh, first date for them at the zoo, checking out the monkeys until the actual Sumatran monkey comes out. It's like Rocky and Adrian. <laughs> Take her to the zoo. <laughs> See, I thought the mother had snuck snuck behind them and followed them to the zoo. Did. See, I didn't know because it wasn't really directly said. But because because he leaves them. to go he because he leaves to go on the date and the mom's watching him from the window, and then mm-hmm. that's why she was all being all sneaky, you know, going around without them seeing. Oh, and that's oh, why yeah. it's such a, and that's why it's such a big shock when mom meets the monkey, not me, but the the other monkey, <laughs> your cousin from New Zealand. Your penis. Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, he is my cousin. I found out. Yeah, um, yeah. It's well, like, yeah. He's yeah. He's a distant cousin, like kind of a cousin. Like he's my grandmother's uncle, sister-in-law's cousin's niece's son, three times removed. But we don't really talk about him because, you know, we don't talk to him like do my cousin Leroy, who was with Jeff Goldblum in The Fly, where we all fucking love him. But. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, but my cousin Jenkins, like, th- that side of the family is a little bit homegrown, like the Sawyers and Texas Chainsaw Massacre, so we don't really talk about it, but, yeah, he's a cousin, kind of. Well, it's a good thing that you don't talk about him, because he got curb stumped by uh, Vera. <laughs> you fuck, movie. fuck yeah, he did. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and just yeah. To go from the Pee Wee like American, American History yeah. X style curb stomp, man. Oh, yeah. This is not stomp of all stomps, man. But that poor monkey that got his arm ripped off. <laughs> I love it. He got punched yeah. in the face by the Sumatran monkey, then he got his arm ripped off, and he. <laughs> man, this is not a good day for this monkey. <laughs> just wanted to hang out. No. No. No, I just thought it was handled. Just wanted well. some food. Yeah, which is why which is why he then went after Vera, but Vera wasn't having none of that shit. Oh hell no, no, she might have gotten bitten. That doesn't fucking matter. She's gonna fucking curb stomp the shit out of this Ed Norton style, pounding on her chest with a swastika on it. Yeah, Vera was one mean lady, man. That is for sure. She reminded me of my mother. <laughs> she was just a fucking misery to be around. But she also has the Women's League coming, so that's a big deal. <laughs> WL. WL. <laughs> it's important because I'm the woman of the year. This is everything I've been working towards, Lionel. Don't you realize this? Yes, Mom. Yes, Mom. I know it's everything you've been working towards. It's just, the, the bigger yeah. thing that also comes out of the whole zoo scene is Lionel's rejection of Paquita at this point. You know, mommy is still the more important right. figure in his yeah. life there, you know, which of course leaves Paquita feeling a little down in the dumps, but not one to be, uh, you know, left behind. She, she brings her jacket. She takes a very much masculine role in this film. Paquita? Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. So mm-hmm. he definitely took over where Lionel is more feminine in his approach. She's more of the masculine, you know, she's the power top in this relationship. Yeah. <laughs> but she just wanted to return his jacket. But, you know, it's not like she was trying to get anything else. Oh, oh no. <laughs> I'm not having any kind of thoughts. Of riding that dick. <laughs> Just wants to but, be in a relationship with a wife. Yeah, no, Maybe no, she should have gone with the other guy. No, but still, that night she comes by and brings him a jacket, and then he sneaks her up into his room, you know. <laughs> yeah, for some sexy-ass time. Where she's just licking up on that chin. I'm like, oh, this is sex in New England? In New Zealand? This isn't cool. But, I know you liked it. <laughs> but, again, it's like I just got to admit, though, like I was thrown off because for all the stuff that we're getting ready to see, all the gore and, you know, and all the blood and all of the fun that's getting ready to happen, you know, we don't really get, you know, a, a, some cheeky time here during the sex scene. You know, he actually keeps it really, really tame. No, because his mom's having to come shut of her own in her bedroom. You know, with her wrist, you know, popping open. <laughs> so she's having her own money shot. No time to lock it. <laughs> <laughs> Which, uh, like we had talked about last night, Monkey, uh, the great scene of the women's league, uh, you know, the head coming to their house, and Lionel has to get everything in order and cook this fucking meal. And uh, you have Vera putting on her makeup and accidentally tears her face open. So, of course, he grabs the old school glue. You know, don't move because you're going to tear it. Yeah, we get the old school. Off, Thank you, Nora. <laughs> yeah. The movie that makes me swear off vanilla pudding. Because, ugh, no thank you. <laughs> Ever again. I know you like tapioca monkey, but I'm swearing it off. <laughs> I haven't had good custard in years. She never <laughs> makes this creamy. Just the way I like it. Oh, <laughs> just that guy piling that fucking custard into his face. It's so gross. It's, it's just so another great. sequence. It's so gross. It's another sequence, though, when mom pushes down on her bandage and that squirt of pus <laughs> flies across the table into the bowl, <laughs> and then her ears, her ear falls off into the bowl. Oh. It's just one thing after the next, and it's you know it's and there's another one around the table a little bit after this, but like when he creates these scenes where these there's just multiple things going on at the same time, it's just brilliant. It's yeah, yeah. It's, uh, yeah it's, I was right with that woman from the women's league where she's watching this happen. She's like, bruh, bruh. I'm like, yep, that's me. Like, I'm running out of the room and puking because that's fucking disgusting. I was like, and this is just a taste. Like, we haven't even gotten to the main portion of this movie yet. And already I'm like, ah, yeah, one of the woozy. Plus, there's the gore. Yeah. But this was just the appetizer for what we're getting ready to see, you know. And, like, I, I wasn't expecting it to keep going up. Like, because, again, Peter Jackson, I wasn't knowing what to expect from him. You know, so when people were saying, you know, it's got good practical effects, I was thinking this is as far as it's going to go. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> Strap oh, in, man. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, you had a long, long way to go here, man. <laughs> I know. I can imagine that. You're sitting there going, oh, this is it? Oh, this isn't so bad. Like, you know, everybody talking about this being the Gordon movie. No, no, strap in. <laughs> a long way to go. 
I mean, I think at least one of the, the things that I got warned ahead of time, like not knowing anything about this, I just remember when Doc brought it over because um, he had a copy of it. Um, I'm pretty sure you you pretty much straight up were like, yeah, you know, I've heard that this movie's got like the most blood used at, at, at that time or some shit. And we were going, going to that kind of level at some point or another. Yeah, oh, okay. Um, but, yeah, it's with the, the nurse. Uh, that comes over to check on Vera. You know what I mean, that was one of my favorite parts of the movie. She's like, "Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't. I, I don't know what to tell you. you know, she might be gone." All of a sudden, she reaches up and fucking puts her fingers right through her face. I'm like, "What? <laughs> okay, yeah." <laughs> I remember distinctly that scene. Uh, seeing this for the first time, it's just it's just such a great, great, great effect. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah just you can't tell how finger, it is. The, yeah, the fingers. Well, I think it was liquid latex over top of the cheeks, and um, you know her fingers up in there, up like underneath the flesh of the cheeks, and just you know working the way up in there. It's like, oh man, I just fucking loved it. <laughs> yeah, and this begins a domino effect for Lionel in this movie, with his mother, you know, being the way that she is, and now the nurse has been, you know, put that way, and she's coming back because in this movie. When you get attacked by somebody that's been infected, it's automatic. It's not like you have to wait a day. Nope, just like 30 seconds is the time frame that you have between getting killed and coming back as one of the dead um, and having to put them in the basement. Mm. <laughs> just real quick, throw them in the basement. Mm. I'll deal with it later. Oh, yeah, what's that, I, Oh, no, I'll be right over. <laughs> but uh, I also like how with the whole, you know, whether we want to call them zombie rules, Okay, like he he didn't really have any because he took his time no. with mom and her getting infected and you know uh, you know pussing up all over the place and fall, falling apart you know and then the things just keep escalating and getting faster and faster as the movie progresses to where you know he's like you know no no George Romero rules of you know you gotta be dead for a little while and then no. you're gonna rise up and it's like no we're we're doing something completely new here. <laughs> And again, I think I feel like this is taking like he is borrowing ideas from things, you know. And if you look at Return of the Living Dead, we've got Mm -hmm. zombies that when they come back, it doesn't matter what you do to them. There apparently does not seem to be any definitive way to kill them, or at least not easily. You know, our nurse character, she's her head's holding on by a thread, like literally, it flaps open and closed. You know, Mm -hmm. so. It's uh, it, it's it's quite quite entertaining as he is playing with certain things that yes we have seen in other films before, but he's just doing it in such a in a messy comedic way that is so. It's just such the opposite of everything else that's going on again with the love story of Lionel and Paquita. <laughs> yeah, that's happening as just another mess he's got to clean up. Not oh the yeah. tragedy or anything like that. It's just oh. Let, let me clean the floor again. Yeah. <laughs> and it just keeps getting fucking worse and worse. You know, it's like it's just, he's having a bad day. Like, he just can't get a break. Um, and he's got to figure out a way to calm these zombies down. So he goes to get tranquilizer from a doctor. But it's a fucking Nazi. Like, I love this little reference that Peter Jackson threw in there. Of this bald-headed German who's wearing a doctor's lab coat, but yet he's got the swastika underneath his fucking uniform. (laughs) (laughs) 
uh, yeah. yeah, no, this will work. Yes, yeah, yeah, this will work. Yeah, if you want to put them down. <laughs> but I love the whole I thing. I told you I lost my papers in the transition. <laughs> <laughs> like the, yeah, the best is that he tries to go with the whole, like, uh, like he was one of, like, the Jews. And, like, he got out before, like, the occupation got bad. So great. Yeah, and 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 we've got the thing of Lionel going there saying, you know, I, you know, I came here, you know, because I was told I could get some medicines. He's like, no, I don't get medicine. I don't do that. You're going to the wrong people. He's like, yeah, but I need tranquilizers. He's like, oh, that I can do. And give him a huge <laughs> yeah. ass fucking jar with a label yeah. tranquilizer, like a Bugs Bunny cartoon. <laughs> yeah, the big jug of tranquilizer that he gives him. He's like, oh yes, this is gonna be yours. Like, <laughs> so fucking crazy. Uh, Gay for free healthcare. (laughs) (laughs) This is New Zealand. We have that here. Um, But it was just the downward spiral of Lionel. You know, even going to the funeral where you meet Uncle Les for the first time, who's just a gigantic fat man wearing a a leopard print suit jacket. You know, I liked Les. I was like, he's fucking fun. (laughs) He's Trump, man. I I liked the character because he knew what was up. He's like, you know what? My sister's dead. I'm going to try to get this house. Because I have nothing going on for me. <laughs> Think about all his nope. words, all his behaviors, and all his actions, man. That's a, that's fucking. It's it's the president of the United States of America. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> Even with his hair piece falling off, I'm like, that probably would happen. <laughs> He's a lecherous, disgusting character. Um, because he knows how to exploit Lionel. Because Lionel's not gonna be able to stand up for himself. Because Lionel's a little bit of a bitch. <laughs> a great man. Transformation great is ongoing. Yeah, this transformation is ongoing. So, but they but they bury Vera though. She's in the you know she she's now in the graveyard, and you know our hero has to go and you know I, this is where I was confused was like was he trying to dig her up was he trying to keep her under you know. Oh no, he knew he had to dig her up because he knew she was coming back. Yeah. He was going to keep giving okay. her tranquilizers. Okay, I wasn't sure if he was trying to, like, you know, just keep her down there or if he was just trying to get her back out and put her back in the basement. Okay. Yeah, I took it as that he was trying to keep her in the grave. And he was going to keep trying to give her the tranquilizers to keep her down underground. Like, he didn't want to deal with it anymore. And that's the only way that he knew how was to give her the tranks. But, unfortunately, Void and his gang of, uh, you know, uh, leather jackets come by to think that he's a necrophiliac. <laughs> you know, we we went up one, and now it's like Peter Jackson stood there and just cranks it up just a little bit more. <laughs> Especially when you get introduced to the priest, Father McGruber, who's apparently Bruce Lee. Calls for divine intervention, man. <laughs> I kick ass for the Lord. Damn, man. And yeah, I, I just fucking lost it when we started to have this kung fu scene. I was, I was like, this is so fucking awesome. A priest doing kung fu against a, a bunch of greasers in a graveyard at midnight. Yeah, it makes no sense. But at the same time, you can't stop watching. <laughs> You're just in for the ride at this point. Right? I don't know why I'm watching this, but I am. It's like in the movie Pieces where all of a sudden you have a kung fu guy come through and he's starting to beat up a woman for no reason. 
but it's in the fucking movie, and you're like, all right, I'm in it. Like, mm-hmm. I just, I have to see what comes next. Uh, mm-hmm. The unfortunate Father McGruber, he can't survive because he has to be killed on one of the statues in the cemetery. <laughs> right on top. Great gore sequence going right through the chest. And now he's becoming one of the living dead. That, again, why not to take care of? So now he has a whole fucking weather-faced table full of fucking zombies that he has to feed and take care of. Again, what we had talked about with him kind of going with Romero but going against the grain, Lionel's feeding these zombies food. Like he's not feeding them blood or flesh. He's actually just trying to feed them normal food. More custard. That they're accepting, but they don't know how to eat. Like Void, the one greaser, he puts a spoon right through his fucking mouth, right off the back of his head. Doesn't know how to use a spoon anymore. (laughs) (laughs) And the nurse, Lionel, has to rip her head off and put the food right down her gullet. This is this is just one. This is the other scene I was talking about before, though. The if you when you watch this scene, the amount of different things that are going on, the amount of effects that are happening simultaneously as as Lionel walks around the table to deal with each one of these characters, it's just it's absolute brilliance. The level of artistry that is going on in this sequence here between the performances of the characters under the makeup, between all of the little parts and spurts and things falling off. Uh, the the blood effects and all of this like carefully orchestrated team going on at the same time it's just an I feel like it's just an expert display of effects it's unbelievable yeah but it's it's a, it's a special effects orchestra <laughs> but here's a question uh, I'll kick off with you Doc at this point where Lionel's completely fucking out of control now he has to feed all these fucking zombies at one point do you think that I need to destroy them. Like, he never comes up with the idea until Paquita brings it up. But I would think it's right, me, because if I'm in a situation, i got to fucking destroy them. I don't want to take care of them anymore. Like, this is too much. Yeah, I think that, again, it's his, you know, Lionel has been a sheltered mama's boy his whole life. He doesn't know how to make decisions for himself, you know? Exactly. Like, we talked about this film being a love like we talked about this love, this film being a love story. Like I truly, it's like this is a transformation of Lionel becoming a man and him learning how to handle his shit and deal with his situation. Um, mm. It's it's you know, a coming to, of age story. Yeah, in a way, absolutely it is. Um, you know, and it all kind of gets set into motion when he comes out of that room and 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 there is Uncle Les uh, looking to cash in uh, his chips. So. Um, you know, obviously, you this movie has been has been smartly and funny, like like comedically moving. Uh, you know, ramping up the action, and and you know this is coming. You know that. I mean, I believe that yes, Lytle was going to become the hero. Like, there's, I mean, that's just the way stories are written. Um, so yeah, while he's still doing his pleasing mode and trying to keep everything copacetic and make everybody happy, uh, shown in that feeding scene, uh, him thinking I have to feed these things. Uh, right. You know, you, you knew it was coming. You knew it was coming soon. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But, but the meanwhile, while we have the uncle showing up, and you know, then looking around the house and admiring, you know, how much money is in the house, and starts to hear moaning from the other room. <laughs> yes, and that had started. That had started before before he went out. <laughs> oh yeah, it did. Yeah, they were already involved. Gruber and the nurse. And we're, they were getting it off. And poor yeah, Lionel having to break it up. 
<laughs> yes, but we still have the uncles talking to Lionel about, oh, you found your dad's old stag movies. Did you find the one with the horse? <laughs> yeah, hey, Lionel, you find the one with the horse? Oh, yeah, you listen to the one with the stag movies. Hey, let's see what's behind the door. Nothing behind the door. Nothing behind the door. Like, don't worry about it. I don't know, Lionel. This doesn't seem good for you. Like, you know. <laughs> trying to find like the the monkey had said, admiring everything in the house, kind of taking stock of what's in there, what he could take because he's the brother, so he could probably do that. But mm-hmm. just waiting for that opportunity. But you know, finally, Uncle Les leaves, and we have Lionel going in, and yep, this is the priest and the nurse are going at it. <laughs> it's just full bore. <laughs> yeah, just. Fucking right on top of that table, like just going to town, just having at each other. And apparently, when you're a zombie, yeah, when you fuck and you just go in, yeah, it doesn't take long for a baby. Takes like nope. a day. Nope. <laughs> Gestation yeah. period is 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 super fast. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, that was the scene I talked to the monkey about last night. One of my favorite scenes in the movie, even not even the the party scene, is Lionel trying to take care of the zombie baby at the park. You know, seeing all these women, you know, taking care of their kids and rocking them in their little strollers, and he's trying to do the same thing, but he's just jerking the shit out of it, not knowing how to take care of the zombie baby. He's got barbed wire the, over the it, so it doesn't the same attack thing him. In the park, he jerks the shit out of it. <laughs> it's one of my favorite sequences because, it, again, this is where I compare it to Evil Dead 2 with Bruce Campbell, where I felt like he was trying to be like Bruce Campbell. Maybe not trying to be, but that's kind of the way I got it him overacting, you know, pushing the stroller mm. up and down, trying to give it the monkey, and it rips the monkey's arms off because it doesn't want it, and no, then the stroller rolling up. down the hill. But the baby gets loose, and then we have the whole thing, like you said, of a, a midget in the costume running away. Oh, it was clearly you know, a little but, person uh, wearing a baby. Yes. So, yeah. but, <laughs> funny. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. but, then, but when it's going, <laughs> when it's crawling, when it's rapidly crawling on the on the grass towards those kids that are playing on the floor, and Lionel swoops in and grabs it real quick and then starts wrestling it and punching it in the face and slamming it against, <laughs> slamming it against the pole from the swing set. But while, he, while he's doing this, it cuts to a, a quick clip of that, that drunken bum who's, like, cheering him. Like, Lionel's smacking it against <laughs> yeah. the pole. The bum is like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And he goes Bugging up to the two women sitting in the party. He's like, hello, ladies. And <laughs> just walks away <laughs> with the baby stuffed in a sack. Like, nobody's going to call the police. Like, nobody's yeah, going to say, I just saw this guy beat his baby in the park. But after he stuffs it in the sack, he keeps punching the sack. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. He's got to get those extra punches in to this baby in a sack. It was, it was great, but it was one of those things where I'm like, yeah, nobody called the cops. <laughs> nobody... It's like, hey, uh, maybe we should call the police. No, no, we can't go. Because <laughs> New Zealand, the they fight all the time. Everybody <laughs> fights. <laughs> so, it's like yeah. Australia, but smaller. <laughs> but, but again, you also have Paquita the entire time, kind of being in the background, you know, during these sequences. You know, yeah. where Lionel trying to take care of everybody in the fucking basement. Trying to feed them, trying to take care of them, and Paquita's like, "Well, what's going on, Lionel? Why do you want to see me anymore?" He's like, "I don't know. You should never fall in love with me, baby. Like, you know, <laughs> I have beard stubble now. I'm serious." Uh, no, he's a man. More of a, 
that that's more of a Bruce Campbell thing. Is he just was like you know no, it was just a mistake. You know, um, right? You know, it's, 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 he doesn't come across as as you know Ash in any way, shape, or form. No, during, no. during this scene, he's still extremely sheepish. You know, he hasn't gotten there yet. He's still lost in this world of you know what the hell to do about all of these things, and he's still trying to frantically take care of them until Uncle Les comes back. And discovers Lionel's secret. Yeah. That he could use against him to sign over all the estate, all the money. And it's not even like it's a quick turn. Like, it's not even like it's a long turnaround where it's like a day later, Les comes back. It's like the same day. Les is like, yeah. Oh, you're going to sign everything over to me, Lionel, because I know your secret, and I'll call the cops. And he's like, mm-hmm. Well, no, don't do that. You could have everything. And then, like, 20 minutes later, fucking 80 people show up for a party. <laughs> <laughs> man, very popular man. Everybody wants to party with Uncle Les. Man, they're bringing in beers. They're bringing in you know party favors. They're ready to fucking party with yeah, Les. Cheese platters. They got delicious looking cheese platters. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that fucking shit was nasty looking, man. <laughs> it's you know, amazing sticking how their fucking hands in it too. You know what, man? I'd eat the custard over that fucking platter of cheese. <laughs> Oh, oh, it was awful. I almost threw up during that. Mm. <laughs> yeah, it was, but, it was fucking gross. But we're, st- but we're still saying that Lionel has not gotten into his own because now things have shifted. He now has this problem, but now he's got the the bully uncle that, you know, I took pretty much as like Jet from Weird Science, you know. Yeah. yeah. Um, and now he's having to fix food for all of these people. You know, Uncle, Uncle Les wants to throw this big ass party, and now he's making Lionel fix all the food for the party. You know, and he's <laughs> you know, and, go make sandwiches. Yeah. They're all here. <laughs> yeah, go go make food for all my friends, man. What are you doing? Go in there. You don't want anyone to find out about your secret, do you? You know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Poor Lionel. Again, like you had said, he's still not into that hero aspect that he becomes uh, into. He's forced into the kitchen to make guests all this food so they could party and drink and have fun in his house. And then Paquita showing up once again to get accosted by, you know, New Zealand's version of Trump, Uncle Les. <laughs> but, but this is when we start to see a change happen because once Uncle Les starts to try and take advantage of Paquita, that's like the straw, you know, and causes Lionel to snap. He's right. trying to beat the shit. He's, you know, like, that's enough. That's it. You know, he starts, he, he actually goes and punches Uncle Les in the face, but Uncle Les isn't having none of that shit, and it's, he's him Because he's got, like, 400 pounds on Lionel. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what are you going to do, you little fucking tree? You're going to fucking yeah. try to take me on? Oh, okay. Yeah. See how that turns out <laughs> Yeah, but um, uh, Uncle Uncle Les goes and throws Paquita and Lionel, you know, into the basement, you know, and locks them in there during the rest of the party. But it's also, like we had talked about earlier, how Paquita is kind of the masculine aspect of the relationship, where Lionel is kind of more of the feminine one. She's the one that tells Lionel, you have to destroy all these fucking zombies. Like, you, you can't take care of them. They're dead. Like, you have to destroy them. You know, we'll give them poison. You know, and that'll be the way to end them all. You give them poison, and then we can just bury them. Well, Lionel didn't realize that that poison is an animal accelerant. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, that but also, conveniently, there was a giant jug labeled poison also in the basement. <laughs> With the label animal accelerant on the back for some reason. On the, on the back side. Yeah, we discover later. <laughs> oh my God! It was uh, I. This is the one. The, another scene that I really like when the zombies come back after they've been poisoned with the animal accelerant. It's like the fucking cover of Kiss's uh, Destroyer, where they're all fucking popping out of the ground. Like, oh yeah, there's fucking Void, and there's the mom, and there's the nurse. Like, they all have their individual fucking first out fucking sequences. Like it's a Power Rangers fucking cartoon at this point. <laughs> where they're all out, they're black eyes, and they're all ready to fucking destroy this entire party. And this is where we get all of our budget. <laughs> like, this is it. Yeah. And, and finale. And this is when, like, uh, you know, again, I, we've been seeing, you know, like, I've been seeing great effects throughout this entire movie. And then th- we have our <laughs> weird-ass zombie family kick open the door and then Peter Jackson goes, one more, please, and just cranks, you know, cranks that knob just a little bit more. Oh, he rips the fuck <laughs> off. Like, yeah, Peter Jackson rips the fucking knob off. <laughs> he doesn't turn it up. He rips it the fuck off, and he's like, deal with it. <laughs> this is what we're going into. Yeah, and... It's like, I, I just fucking loved it, man. It's just gore and shit all over the place. We got these guys just ripping everyone apart and, you know, p- p- people just getting torn apart. Oh, man. Oh, fuck. And it's like, it was just good fun on both sides because we're seeing, you know, some interesting zombie shit because, again, as people are dying, people are becoming new zombies and you got people running around and new zombies running around. It's just, oh, man. Cool. What did you think about this scene when you first saw it? Um, which the the zombie party sequence yeah. of insanity yeah. that occurs here? I mean, mm-hmm. it's just utter chaos, which is just so beautiful because again, everything has been leading up to this. You know, the the we had the the limited amount of zombies that he could control, but now you know your your uncle brings in this gigantic fucking just psycho fucking party that's going on. So for this right. to turn into the mess that it does, it's just a beautiful thing. It goes there. It goes where so many other movies don't, you know? Don't Maybe go. a movie will turn everybody into yeah. zombies, yeah. but it's not going to turn everybody into zombies and then fucking have all of them slaughtered in just such a big, messy, gooey, slimy fucking... You know, lawnmower spewing, chop, 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 fucking, you know, when the, the when the uncle takes the blades and he just all of a sudden starts moving his arms real fast, like he's like a fucking, oh, yeah. God, yeah. fucking knife wielder, you know, like all these little things that are going on throughout it are just so funny, so great, and it's just all part of the charm and, of this movie. Yes, and Not the same cool. stuff with all of the with all of the zombies too in that sequence. It's not like in a zombie movie where like there's a whole herd of them all shuffling along or running along. It's like they all kind of have their own weird little personalities and they're all doing something different and they're all in some kind of different zombie trouble situation, like the one that has the electric socket through her head and the eyes are lighting up. Oh, that was so good. (laughs) Another one is doing this and another one is doing that. It's not just like, it's not just a bunch of faceless zombies. Like they're all like their own characters, even though there's a lot of them. Yeah, and I was glad you brought that up to we get, a self-aware, we get a self-aware human insides. 
It's an emotional. Yes. He yeah. understands that it is alive. Yeah. Lungs, fucking heart, and asshole. Ain't that it. is running around in this film. <laughs> Looking at itself in the mirror and checking itself yes. out. <laughs> yeah. Yes. But, but complete with sad music. Yeah. Yeah, oh, but yeah. King, just say what you're going to say. I know what you're going to say. Say, King. Uh, yeah, I was going to say because the doctor brought it up about the light socket zombie. That was my favorite moment in this whole zombie party orgy was the one woman that gets killed by the zombie punching his way through her throat out of her mouth because I couldn't <laughs> tell how they did it. Like, it was such a great effect because it didn't oh. seem like they were even a cut. Like, all of a sudden, this fish is going through her mouth, and she's like, whoa, you know, and just mm. dead. Until she gets on that white socket. Man, I I fucking love that shot. Just because you see her face, she's normal, and then next thing you know, it's like fist in your face, in the camera, and like, you know, and you still see it clear coming out of her mouth. And I was just, like, that one actually made me jump because I was like, whoa, what the fuck was that? You know, I had to rewind it a couple times. Like, holy shit. Like, I, I just could not figure out that effect for the life of me. And it's like, yeah. you know, it's like, Peter Jackson, thank you so much for just who, whoever did that shot. You know, oh, wow, nice job, man, because, yeah, you blew me away with that one. Because <laughs> you can't tell how they did it, and I thought that was a great way to do it. That was one of my favorites. The other was uh, Uncle Les, who, after his karate chopping madness with the knives, goes down to the basement, and he's introduced to Vera, who is now a gigantic fucking zombie creature, with gigantic hulking breasts and a big ass. Mm-hmm. And she rips his fucking head out and exposes his spine. But when you see him again, he's crouched down, but his fucking head's fucking hanging up. I'm like, yeah, that's a great effect. Damn. He's like walking on all fours. He's like an animal. Yeah. 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 And, and, and that was the other thing is, like, I liked how all of them seemed to, like, have their own style to them because, like, this guy, you know, Uncle Les, it looked like his like after effect. Yeah. yeah, it was very much a screaming Mad George look for the effect, you know, while all of the like other... Like society. Yeah, yeah, like society or, you know, or reanimator, you know, and it's just I loved, you know, that they kept bringing in new creatures now as she just kept getting further and further into the madness that we're getting ready to wrap up. Right, because we had talked about the the lawnmower when Lionel shows up, and that's his ash moment in this movie for me, is when he shows up with that lawnmower. He's like, party's over. (laughs) (laughs) Goes to fucking town on these zombies with the lawnmower, spinning it around, recovering him at one point, but he's still going at him, and then he destroys everything in his, his surroundings. But Void's still yep. fucking alive. He somehow survived everything, and he's just gripping his legs to hold his body together, going after Lionel, <laughs> holding a lawnmower. Like, it's just, God, you can't kill this fucking Void. Like, he can't destroy him. He just keeps no, coming. But- but I love during this whole scene, like, where we've got him going around with the lawnmower, and it's like we've got him getting covered in fucking blood. He's getting oh, yeah. covered in chunks. You know, it's like there, there are scenes where it's like you can tell he can't even see just because there's so much crap all over his face. You know, it's just literally blood and guts literally all over the fucking screen. It's oh, everywhere, coating the bottom of the, the lawnmower. Just oh, yeah. a little bit of this is so beautiful. Everywhere. Yeah, it's, it's, it's oh man, everywhere. 
it's like it's like I, when when he like he actually stops the lawnmower. It's like actually I had to stop and take a breath. It felt like I just got laid or something. It's just it was just <laughs> yeah. so fucking good. <laughs> yeah, like the yeah, then he when he kills Void on top of the lawnmower, finally getting it to work again, and then Void finally has his moment of getting sucked into the blades. And I was like, fuck, finally he's gone. <laughs> like you know, one less thing you have to worry about. Uh, but no, you have a bigger worry because apparently your mother's a giant now. <laughs> you, know? you thought she was a big bitch before. <laughs> oh, now she's a gigantic bitch with sagging tits and a big ass. She kind of had it before, too, you know? I mean, this is really the the ultimate transformation, and it comes down to, again, the heart of the story. It's Lionel growing up and, you know, stepping away from mother's domineering ways. Yeah. And it works because when they have the final confrontation on the rooftop, uh, she opens up her stomach to bring him back into the womb. Oh, fuck, Mm -hmm. man. That was so... (laughs) Oh man! Like no one will ever love you like mother. (laughs) (laughs) And then they went and changed, but then they went and changed the rules again. Where all of a sudden, you know, once she went all fucking Godzilla, she became sentient again. You know, Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, she could talk, you know, and look at him and and understand who he is. Yeah, she wasn't a normal zombie anymore. Yeah, and then we get to, to where, you know, her, her Lionel and Bequito are on the roof trying to get away from Mother. Mother comes busting up through the fucking roof. And, you know, like the ghoul said, you know, no one loves you like Mother. You need to get back inside where I'll keep you safe. And, man, <laughs> this, this, this scene, dude, it's like the third stomach opened up and I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> her yeah. ass reminded me of Stacey. Amazing. <laughs> Yeah, but was, you know, and goes aside, and the stomach closes back up, and I was like, "What?" I was like, "Holy shit!" They actually went there. <laughs> oh yeah, no, that's he's it. Not done like it. you he's said, the movie—it always goes there, man. It always goes there. Yeah, <laughs> just when you think he's had enough, and Peter Jackson's done, no, he's got more. He's he's got more. <laughs> you know, <laughs> he's, he's going to leave you on a good spot. Um, but once he gets sucked up into his mother's womb again. You think that's it. Like, you know, she's won. She's victorious. But she's not because Lionel's fighting back, finally. He's fighting back against Mother. He's got the amulet that was given to him earlier. And he's fighting his way out. Mother's falling apart because all of a sudden he's fighting back. And it was a great way to kind of end it. Well, this is his rebirth, if you will. Yeah. Oh, exactly. Yes. And and now coming into the world as a man, you know. Mm Mm-hmm. And, I mean, again, in the confrontation, he acknowledges that, you know, I mean, we find out, I guess, when he's up in the attic that his father, I guess, was having an affair with another woman. Yeah. Yep. And that the mother killed them both, Um, the father and the mother. Uh, The the father and the the person that he was with. Um, The lover. You know, (laughs) and he watched Lionel Saw, so, yes, his lover. But he convinced him all his life that that's not how it happened. Like, he was so conditioned by his mother to not believe the truth. It wasn't until he found the remains of his father in the attic where he's like, holy shit, you killed him and his fucking lover. The fuck? I know that was the remains of the lover. That wasn't the the remains of the father. The father's buried. Uh, Yeah, that was the father they found. Yeah, that was the remains of the side bitch. (laughs) That you kept in the attic. Trophy. Yep. 
<laughs> yeah. But, yeah, it was that rebirth, and then once the mother is finally vanquished, you have Lionel and Paquito finally together, free of his mother. They can go resume their relationship uh, as the police and the firefighters arrive to vanquish the fire that's erupted into Lionel's home. So Yeah, after, after, everything's destro- after everything's destroyed, finally everyone shows up. It's, like, it's fucking New Zealand. The whole thing's like, what, maybe 30 miles wide? You know, where the fuck was the fire department this whole time? <laughs> Well, I mean, on most maps, New Zealand isn't even represented, so this come is on, true. New Zealand. <laughs> you know, <laughs> which is the whole thing that they're actually trying to fight for now in New Zealand, is to get represented on maps. I, I, saw, I, I saw that piece as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I saw that two weeks ago before we even talked about this movie. I'm like, New Zealand's not even on the map? I was like, this is, it's a place. Like, you know, <laughs> you know, Wow. I couldn't believe it when the maps are just, are just not including New Zealand. Any place, you can go there. I, I wasn't aware of that. I knew it was there. I believe yeah, in so, New Zealand. Yeah, apparently there was like an Urban Outfitters that had like a world map that you could buy, but apparently didn't include New Zealand. And they're like, hey, we're around. We exist. <laughs> I believe in Tasmania, too. Oh, yeah, of course. You have to. Uh, but that's dead alive. So, uh, yep. you know, uh, required viewing, I think, if you want to see gore, if you want to see comedy, like, it, it's required viewing. I mean, I'm, you know, not film shaming you, Monkey. I'm glad that you finally got to watch it and you appreciated it. You didn't think it was just a, you know, bad movie. No, and that's when I love finding, like, new movies for me that are considered classics in our genre. You know, and then actually get a chance to watch them, and they live up to what people say. You know, because that's the problem is when we go back to certain things that are considered classics, and you know, it's one of us, and it's our first time seeing it, and it it never lives up to the hype. And that was the the cool thing is for everyone that you know did shame me for not seeing this movie, and then when I finally saw it, I was like, okay, now I understand why everyone's shaming me. Because this is a really awesome fucking movie. And yeah. why did I not see this before? <laughs> <laughs> Poor monkey. But it's like the uh, the, the ghoulist said at the start. It's one of those things where you see it in a video store, you like the cover art, you're like, yeah, I'm going to fucking rent that. And then you're like, you know what? I kind of want to watch Friday the 13th Part 6 again. So you fucking rent that movie. And then years later, you're like, why didn't I fucking rent this movie sooner? It's fun. It's a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's a, a lesson to horror fans. But you know, I mean, we've talked about video stores; mm. they, they don't exist anymore. But I think now with but, digital, with Shutter, I think fans are going to be releasing, you know, their new tastes on the world. But the the sad thing is, for as much fun as we had about this movie, and yes, the doc talked about how he had a copy on DVD. You know, the ghoul through his research had discovered that this movie is not available. Purchase. It is not you know. on digi- not on digital. That's no, not on digital, yeah, but physical. You can't. They have oh, not released but, it digital yet. Oh, okay, but it is available on physical media. 
Yes, it oh, is. Oh, yeah. You can, yeah, you know, I don't go with physical media, man. But, yeah, you can I, order it through, like, Amazon and shit like that. But I know that uh, Peter okay. Jackson, as recent as December of uh, 2018, was talking about doing a uh, 4K restoration of this and a couple of his other movies. So I would assume if that happens, yeah. then, then we'd get a digital release as well. Sweet. I kind of hope that Jackson goes back to his horror roots. I would love to see him make another horror film. I mean, I know that he's known for The Hobbit and for Lord of the Rings, but I would love to see him go back to what he's known for. Like the yeah, fight, he's, he's, the he's, bad talked about, he's talked about... He just did a more... He just did that about, movie, you know, Mortal Engines, really, so... Go, go yeah, which is fantasy. I would like to see him go back to heart. You know, go back to where he started. You know, with a good budget and, you know, do what he does. So we'll see with what the, happens. Yeah, with the with the... Given the the gravity Spit of his out, career Bob. over the last 15 years, uh, it'd be interesting to see what he can do with what's in his mind in this genre with the technology and budget he would have at his disposal. Mm-hmm. All right. So I believe it is your pick next week, Ghoul. Uh, what do you have? It would be. Um, well, things got me all thinking and stuff like that. Since we are all going to Don't have to be sitting here – I know, right? Like, but you know, sometimes inspiration occurs, and and this is what happens. I, since everybody has to come up with what their make a wish thing needs to be for next week, why don't we mm-hmm. stay in the night? Everyone has and to we go, go with, with none other than Wishmaster. Oh shit! Good choice. Oh, how, how 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 timely and 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 clever you are. <laughs> All right, aren't I? I am you are so clever. At That's why we love you. At least. <laughs> what do you, we're going to have to get Andrew Dimoff on the show next week for this episode. He is a customer. Yeah, no. <laughs> yes, this is true. Yeah. But I know that probably won't happen. Oh, Andrew so, Dimoff. We uh we saw this guy at NJ Horicon last year. That's right. Mm-hmm. He was nice. He is Indeed. a fan of more sponsors. Very, very, very nice guy. And, yeah, so nice indeed that I would not bother him. No, oh, the, the interview the thing king, anymore the, anyway. The king will be so excited. His hero, Tony Todd, is in this film. I know. I'm so excited. And Robert England. So we get Robert England, too. Two of my favorites, along with Andrew Zimbabwe. So hmm. look at the order of Wishmaster. It's uh, <laughs> wow, it's been like maybe 10 years since I've seen Wishmaster, so I'm looking forward to getting back into it. Uh, all right, so thank you so much, Doc, for Love joining us tonight. We look forward to next week. My, my pleasure. I will be, I believe About I will 42 be 42 inches. About <laughs> <laughs> 300 pounds. <laughs> oh, about, about, about 17 six, miles. Six feet. Oh, oh shit. About, about 330. <laughs> Monkey, go ahead and sign yourself up. Go to Etsy. I'm your. Designs, all one word. We got 90 seconds, fellas. We do. Okay, I'm your monkey. Okay, I'm the Mad Monkey. Thanks for letting me come in your ear. (laughs) Go. And as for me, as I always say, as we close out the show, keep America strong. Watch our movies. And not only that, but I will add this: make America great again. Make our movies graphic again. So we'll say that. Until next week, me. We will. We'll wish upon a wishmaster next week. See you then. <laughs> no film shame.
be a film boy. 